welcome to Nikki Talks. We are in the midst of recognizing October as National Domestic Violence Month. And today I'm very happy to welcome Elizabeth Nash Wren, who is the Senior Manager of Educational Programming at Hawk. And as we have said, Hawk is the domestic violence agency providing services to 23 cities and towns north of Gloucester. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have you here. And um, I was thinking maybe what we could start with is just to talk um, kind of about what you do every day and, and what does that title mean and, you know, what's your feet on the ground life at Hawk? I appreciate that. So my position is a little bit of self-created out of my skill set, also married with what we've identified as needs in the community. Mm -hmm. um, the way that I really see my position is inviting people into the movement. Um, I think that everybody universally cares about survivors for the most part, but they don't mm -hmm. know where they integrate with making change. Mm -hmm. So that's everything from educating people in their personal lives, how they can support survivors, to in their professional roles. Domestic violence agencies alone cannot stop, prevent, or manage domestic violence. We need community partners everywhere. We need faith institutions, educational institutions, banks. We need everyone on board, right? Mm -hmm. So part of that is how do, how do you find your way in? And my, I, I stand there with an invitation, right? Mm -hmm. So I go out mm -hmm. and I do training and education. Um, and I do prevention education work. So yep. I go out and I work with young people. I work with schools, administrations, leadership on how do we really uh, work on the change piece. How do we really get ahead of this from a public health kind of perspective and yeah. start talking about young people because we don't teach young people about how how to use their power in a healthy way, how to have healthy relationships. Yeah. It's as important as math and reading and SATs and MCAS. Yes, it's it is. It's how to have healthy relationships. I really agree and it's really great to say it that way mm -hmm. to, for people to hear, oh yeah, it's as, part, you know, as important as math. I couldn't yeah. agree more. And just listening to that, you know, I have probably 200 questions, but I'll try <laughs> to keep it, keep it limited. Um, I, because this year's, um, we have an event, the Coalition for the Prevention of Domestic Abuse in Gloucester partners with the city and faith communities yeah. um, and the schools to do an event on October 1st. Um, to recognize the month. And um, this year's event is focused primarily on the role of men in mm. educating and preventing. And yeah. can you say a little bit about um, what that looks like from your perspective in terms of the educational work that you do, boys and men? Absolutely. So yeah. about 10 or 15 years ago, the movement started realizing that if the women's movement could end violence against women, they would have right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so what we know about most social justice issues is the folks with privilege really own the burden of making the change, mm -hmm. right? And that's true for um, gender-based violence, that's true for multiple things, right? It's true for racism and poverty and things like that. We can't ask the oppressed population to be the change maker. Yes. And what we know is most yeah. men are good, strong, healthy, caring men. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Most men are not abusers. Right. What we also know is men listen to men. Yes. Men look to men for leadership, for healthy role modeling, for positive messages, for ways to be in a relationship. Yep. Right? Yeah. And so what we've learned along the way in the past decade of this field of interpersonal violence is we need men. We need men to be saying violence is not acceptable. Sharing power is critical. Mm -hmm. Right? We need 
true partners on a community level, a professional level, mm, in faith right. institutions and schools and yep. law enforcement. Yep. And we've really seen some exceptional men stepping up. So part of my work in the prevention work, and we have a Cummings grant, is to work with young men in addition to women, but really focus on young men in leadership mm -hmm. who are change makers in their community to say, part of my role modeling as a healthy, strong man in the multitude of roles I hold is helping you disrupt violence against women and girls. And I'm willing to be brave enough to say, as a strong man who's looked up to either in sports or in politics or wherever I stand in my community with power, that I'm on board and I want you to see me and I want you to right. join me, right? Because right. yep. the voice of women saying it needs to stop is powerful and ongoing and integral, but it can't be the only voice. Yeah. Yeah. We need men to step up. We need them to join us. And you have a history of that in Gloucester, and that's yep. phenomenal. Yep. And other communities are looking and learning, yes. and we're inviting them into the movement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's critical. I mean, I just feel critical. like it's so critical. And the other thing is the concept, and sort of back to the educational part, but the concept of going a little further upstream, yes. you know, and you have, for example, and I know you're familiar with this, but you might have, um, you know, a boy who's growing up in a violent home and is is being schooled in sort of hopelessness and frustration and rage. And, you know, you think about a three-year-old boy watching his mother get hurt and just the helpless Absolutely. feeling. And, you know, there's lots of data to support um, the percentage of those boys who go on to become abusive themselves. So what is your thought about um, how we can go further upstream and how we can, you know, who do we need to partner with to, to make that happen in our communities? Great questions that bring up a lot of thoughts, right? Yes, yes. So one of them, if folks aren't familiar, kind of a public health perspective of going upstream yep. means that in crisis work, we are throwing life preservers to folks who are drowning. Yes. And in public health, we yes. go upstream and we say, who keeps pushing them off the waterfall? Why are they drowning? Yep. Right? Exactly. And we try to get ahead of the problem and say, yep. what is happening in our society that's causing this fall over, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's taking that step before to say, let's let's try and wrap our arms around this too. Let's not just do crisis work. And that's why Hawk changed their name to Healing Abuse Working for Change. Yes. I'm part of the Working for Change, right? Yes, yes. So there's a lot of research that shows that children are impacted by high-risk behaviors and trauma in their childhood, right? Yeah. It's role modeling. The good news is there's critical, plentiful research that shows that intervention is critical, right. that kids need one caring, invested adult, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that can make all the difference. So mm -hmm. what we know is this is preventable. This is 100% exactly. preventable. Exactly. And it happens in so many ways. It happens with an involved, positive man in their lives, right? Yes. If there was abuse, how do we set, reset an imprint, right? Yes. It happens every time moms read stories to kids at night to tell them they love them, to tell them they're smart and powerful. It's every time a school educator says, that was a great answer, thank you yes. for speaking up, right? It's every time a coach says, you nailed it, you're strong, you're doing great, you're a great team player. So what we need to remember is, it's not this overwhelming issue that nobody can get ahead of, mm -hmm. that nobody saw coming, mm -hmm. right? So in addition to these high-risk things we look for, like trauma early in life, there's also this huge bucket of protective factors. And I always give the visual picture a child in the old-timey cartoons with the stick across the shoulders and the two buckets. One is risk, risk factors, one yes. is protective factors. Yes. Fill up those protective factor buckets, right? If we can't change the trauma right now, read to them. Eat dinner with them, right? 
get them in a sports where a, where a coach is a positive role model, right? Yep. Bring faith into their life if that's important to and positive. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. 100%. I love that bucket image. It yeah. works. Um, yeah. And I think I think also the, the great challenge for those of us who are passionate about that is, you know, if you have a child who has no or you have 25 children who have no it's they don't obviously have that one person and trying to find the you know the frameworks and the structures to help get that one person become you know to tip the bucket into the protective factors so it's a great it's a great image and i think it's also really important to remember so important never can say it enough that whole preventable because people feel like oh domestic violence you know it's just it's everywhere and we can win you know, we've always had it, we always will have it, but it is preventable. A thousand percent. And a big part of it is, so part of my job is training yeah. educators. So I just trained okay, yeah, I like 200 Head that. Start staff in Lynn, ah, right? Because yeah. those are the folks that are the extra eyes. Absolutely. One of the reasons we want kids in Head Start is because it's an extra set of eyes, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. It's another caring adult. So a big part of what I do is I work with folks in the field to say, you are a change maker in young people's lives. Mm -hmm. If you see the behavior of trauma, don't get frustrated with children. Don't pathologize them. Lean in with warmth. Lean in with love. Yeah. Lean in with caring, with yep. positive messages. Yep. You're so smart. You're so strong. Thank you for sharing that, that hard thing. Good job sharing your feelings. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. every person in a child's life has the ability to be a change maker. Yeah, I agree 100%. So can you describe a little bit about that Head Start training? Like how... How long was it, and um, what were some of the sort of key things that you focused yeah. on? So that was an interesting training. So my my method is if you invite me to work with your frontline staff, right, and yeah. in a school that's children, and yeah. in a Head Start program it's direct caregivers, I'm never yeah. going to work with the frontline folks, kids, staff, without working with leadership. Yeah. And my approach is it's not just on them to hold it and make change. Yeah. Right? And those with institutional power really hold a big part of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an ask of everybody to join in. We can't just ask the vulnerable folks to lean in like kids. Sure, right? right. So with Head Start, it was that specific one was through Leo, and I know we're going to be doing some work with Pathways, and we yeah, have some things planned. So mm -hmm. we're using this model to kind of move forward. Yeah. The idea was it was, a, I think, a two-and-a-half-hour training for each staff person, and what was what is domestic violence? Yep. What does that entail? What to look for? How to support families without judging them? How to offer services? When do you have to file a 51A, yep. right? Those kind of as mandated reporters. Maybe and you could explain what a 51A is. A 51A is a man, when you hear the term mandated reporter, it means if we see neglect or abuse of children in the home, that we have to report it to the Department of Children and Families. Right. The language I always use around that is we're not going to hold it alone. We don't want you to hold it alone, and we're not going to hold it alone. Yep. We're going to pull in every resource available. Yep. It's the right way to frame it. Fault. This isn't about someone being bad. Yeah. This is about Very let's work important. together. I'm a real collaborator. Yeah. That's really what I believe in. Me too. I get it. <laughs> so the Head Start training was very much of children aren't going to tell you at these young ages, oh, right. Right? right? And so the quote that I heard my daughter's principal say once, which I love and I've adopted, is in children, behavior is communication. Yeah. So what are they telling? And the big thing is, try not to get frustrated with children. They're doing their best to tell you through their behavior what's going on mm -hmm. in a developmentally appropriate way, mm -hmm. right? Trauma Absolutely. can also impact those developmental benchmarks. Yep, lots of research on that. Right. 
That's the other takeaway message I give people is you're not going to eradicate it. You're not going to mm-hmm. magically change everything. Free yourself from that. Mm-hmm. You are one part of a larger collaborative that's mm-hmm. going to hold this child, mm-hmm. right? We just ask that you do your part. Mm, that's a great. That you lean in and do your part and yeah. work with your agency, work with your leadership, work with your peers. That's a great message. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm getting very strongly the message from you constantly back to the collaboration and to we're all in this together and you don't need to feel uneducated or unable or, you know, a bystander who's helpless because there's so much you can do and it's such an important message. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit also and again you can tell me whether or not this is something you do frequently or, you know, um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, teen dating violence and yeah. some of the risk factors and, and what it looks like yeah. to help people and parents kind of, you know, see some red flags. Yeah, so that is absolutely something I do. Domestic violence, interpersonal violence, dating violence, no matter what term you use, yeah. it's a relationship with an imbalance of power. Right. That's what's at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And how that shows up in the teenage years is different than how it shows yes. up in adult years. However, what's at the heart of it is power and control, yep. right? Yep. So things you're gonna look with uh, for young people are very similar in some ways. Isolation, mm-hmm. not having full decision-making in their own life, someone mm-hmm. having a very strong voice, um, keeping you from your friends, telling mm-hmm. you that your friends don't have your best interest, keeping you from your family, right? Yep. And so like kind of the yep. larger categories we look with in domestic violence are things like physical abuse, everything from sexual abuse, but there's also a bunch of other. It's emotional, yeah. it's psychological, and so it's verbal, and it's financial and cultural. So it's all these yes. large categories. So for an example that I give parents is, in adulthood, we think of financial abuse and we think of, um, I control the paycheck, or the house is in my name. For teenagers, that means I have a job, I have money, I decide where we go. Yeah. Yeah. I have a little more privilege. I have a car. I decide who we hang out with, right? One of the things that I remember encountering when I was doing that kind of education work here in Gloucester was, I am going to hide your birth control pills. Yes. And these are the things that young people, what we know about the frontal lobe is it's not fully developed. And that frontal lobe is that big decision-making piece. Yep. And it doesn't develop for women till about 22, 23, and then up to 25. And so what I've known from working with young people this whole time uh, for over well over a decade is they think they've got it, they've got it, they've got it until they don't, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They feel a sense of mastery until they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So what we need is people in their lives willing to talk to them. We need parents willing to have conversations without judgment. And that's hard. hard. That's what we're wired to do as parents is have this very firm set of expectations. And I get that. Mm-hmm. It's trying to loosen up and be fluid. And the ways that I see that is a big part is sharing power with your kids and and role modeling that. So do you want to tonight, do you want to read for 15 minutes or do you want to shower and read for 10 minutes? Is mm-hmm. tonight, or would you rather do the shower tomorrow night? Give them power in small ways so they know how to exert power in yeah, their relationship. Exactly, they that's know great. How to speak yep. up, right? Yep. Apologize to our children when we're wrong. If we overreacted, if we messed up, it's okay. Yep. We need to expect humility from other people. Mm-hmm. I messed up. Mommy got really upset when the clothes didn't end up in the laundry machine. Yeah. Let's try to do better next time. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think we need to role model for our children what we want for them in a relationship. Of course. I couldn't agree more. Um, so in terms of what you, um, trainings that you might do um, for that age, 
Can you tell me a little about that? Yeah, so one example is I just worked with Essex Tech High School. Okay. And I trained, I think, 200 of their faculty and staff and leadership because I stand by that. I'm not going to have the kids hold it alone. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not going to come yep. in and talk to the kids yep. about it. Yep. And also that can be a setup for staff or parents because it can feel like, well, how are you supposed to hold it now? They're going to come to you with a disclosure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's really about working together, yeah. you know, to change culture. With young people, I talk to them a lot about, with them I get more exercise driven. We get yeah. up, we so move, I was wondering we about talk that. about yeah. relationship titles, yeah. we talk about consent, we talk about boundaries. And what's really important I hear a lot from young people is, I'm not in a relationship yet. Friendships are the first relationships. Mm -hmm. You're never too young to talk about relationships. Mm -hmm. You can be five years old and talk about how do you handle it if a friend does something you don't like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The other thing I talk about preteens and teenagers with is what we know is the majority of kids are actually not in intimate partner relationships. It feels that way. Most the majority kids, of kids in a certain age bracket? or Even high school students, uh, yeah, the majority okay. of them are not yeah. sexually active. Yeah. And most of them will tell you 80%, 90% of their friends are sexually active. And statistics show us year after year that's not true. Yeah. Part of social commodity is fronting, yeah. right? Pretending that you have a certain society yep, yep, that you're yep. something that you're not. It's yep. okay yep. if that's what you need to do, but hold at home at night when you're in bed with your own voice. Mm -hmm. That is actually very normal not to, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I say, and I wish this for my 30-year-old friends, before you're in relationships, think about who you'd want to be in a relationship. Yeah. Do it before you're in a relationship. Think about what your boundaries are, what yeah. you're okay with. Then you can recognize that's and all then it's about, not about that. that other person. It's about right. your own standards. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, so you do exercise type things like a what? Lot of that. So everything. So we went to a block party Sunday in uh, uh, the North Shore CDC had a block party in Salem, and we made emotion wheels for kids. Have them pick out their own emotions and what face goes with that. And they're very diverse faces, right? So getting to know yourself and your feelings, I like right? That, yeah. And then it has an arrow, and you put on what are you feeling? Like helping you understand that there's more than happy and sad. Yeah. There's more than yeah. happy or angry, right? Yeah. There's disappointment. Yeah. There's want. There's hope. Mm -hmm. There's all these different feelings we feel. Mm -hmm. So there's different age-appropriate ways that mm -hmm. we send messages. And so for young people, that's what do we say if somebody takes the toy we're playing with, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are the words we use? Yeah. And practicing that. What practicing do we use? that. I yeah, say with perfect. Girl Scouts, and I say with inmates, with women, yeah. I invite you to use your loud and proud voice. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Put your feet on the ground, mm -hmm. believe in what you're saying. It's not about making someone else feel bad ever. It's believing in yourself. What are the words you want to speak your truth? Yeah, you got to practice that in your bedroom at night. Yeah, I right? really you gotta agree. you got to practice that yeah. in the car yep. as, a, as a grown adult. Yep, yep. This Absolutely. It's, it's never over. It's never over. And yeah. I say this for my girlfriends who are, you know, in yeah, relationships sure. and my male friends. Like sure. My non-binary friends. Sure, like, yeah. What, what messages do you want? What are your comfort? And with young people, we do an activity where we call it relationship lineup. And we ask them to come up with every title that young people might be using, everything from hooking up to friends with benefits to boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend. And are they allowed to use words that they wouldn't normally? I mean, so we won't say them on question. air. Yeah. So that is a great question. So de uh, depending on the, the space we're doing it, but when I recently did it in, a, in the, the high school, I also trained 50 kind of youth ambassadors, right? And then we narrowed it down to like 15 youth ambassadors who really want to take us on in partnership with teachers. And when the young people did it, I said, I want you to use language that feels authentic to you, but I also want you to recognize who's in the room with power and I want you yeah. to be your strong centered self. So I don't yeah. want you to feel judged. So you decide that in yourself. 
And for the adults in the room, I said, if you want young people to be authentic, then you need to hang up your judgment hats. If you want to know- So hard world, for people to do. The hardest yep, thing. That's part of the exercise. Sure. That's as Absolutely. important as messaging. Absolutely. Right? So yes, use language that's appropriate, but also that feels authentic. If you want to know what kids are saying, you have to be willing to hear what kids are saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way they say it. And the way, and their language. And their language. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm always curious about the hands-on stuff because I know from my own experience as a trainer, that's what works. Almost any age, really. Agreed. Yep. Yep. Getting yep. up and moving. Um, we also know that people learn in a multitude of ways. Yep. A lot of people are visual learners. A lot of people are experiential learners. So simply putting PowerPoint, it's not going to work for no. people. It doesn't really work for adult learners No, it doesn't either. work for me anymore. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. You've talked a little bit about, well, one thing I'm curious about is um, because I did this work such a long time ago, you know, and there's been a few decades there mm -hmm. between us. Um, how, do you, how do you see this particular issue? And I know we're talking really broadly, but to just bring it down to, you know, the kind of middle school, high school population yeah. and all of the stressors that they deal with on a daily basis, which, you know, with a perspective, you might say there's more of them now. Other people would say no. Right. You know, it's kind of a, a mixed thing. But but what do you think has changed in that and, and is the most effective possible way to work with? I mean, you've talked a lot yeah. about that, which is perfect and fabulous. But do you feel like it might be different now? It's a great question. So I think everybody, whenever you join the movement, you feel like you're in a time of change, but you also know that right. Right, everyone who worked before you, right. you before me at Hawk, set the foreground for everything I'm doing. I'm yeah. not starting at square one. Yeah. I'm starting at square On the shoulders. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, research shows us that interpersonal violence is decreasing and getting better, right? Mm -hmm. Public health data shows us that. But anecdotally, we're just not seeing it where it should be, right? We still yeah. have very high rates of women are being... Um, physically abused, will experience yep. intimate partner violence in their homes. We know yep. that statistically women are least safe yep. in their homes, yep. right? That shouldn't be. In a country that really is prides itself as being a leader internationally, um, we're, not, we're not producing the numbers of safety that we should be. So we know yeah. that we still have work to do. Yeah. What I think is really critical and what I see is that we have to, we can't keep putting it on the folks of the marginalized to fix. We have to invite people in power to the table. They have to take responsibility. Yeah, it's a really important point. I went to a public school system not that long ago and they said, we're having a lot of issues with kids and how they relate to each other and how they relate to adults. We're not seeing mm -hmm. respect, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said, and the record kind of screeched to a halt, where are you willing to share power with the children in the school? Yeah, that, that could bring people up short. It, they didn't know what to say. That wasn't what they expect. They thought it was going to be oh, about no. them exerting more power. Yeah, of course it's not what they expect because right. hardly anybody ever says that. And so that's really where I see my yeah, message that's of disrupting. That's, that's a big difference. Give three books to read from them. Some kids give them the chance to do an oral report instead of written. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not everyone's a public speaker. Allows yeah. kids to yeah. give them power. Kids have very controlled lives. And then they become adults with tremendous freedom, and no one's taught them how to use it. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to somebody who works with really troubled kids in um, collaboration with the Boston Police Department. And there was this one girl, I think she was maybe 15, and she was so um, oppositional in class, mm -hmm. but powerful. Powerful. You know, and, and so she would do something, and the other kids would 
do it too. Right. You know, so she was a yeah, real a troublemaker, but but, but but a leader. And so this this person who who I was working with was able to get in relationship with that girl, and that leadership, you know, gift turned right around. And she became an, just an awesome leader for the students. We tell young people what to eat, when to eat, when yeah. to wear, when to walk, yeah. when to what sit, to think. when they can talk, yeah. right? We don't tell them how to use power in yeah. a strictly healthy way. or yeah. We don't teach communication like we teach math, mm -hmm. right? And then we send them to college or out into the world at 18. And we yes. say, best of luck. <laughs> it's a setup, it right? Is. It we is. We can do I better agree. as adults in their lives. You know, it's interesting. I don't know whether you already have this, but it makes me think about some sort of... Um, formalized but fluid uh, resource list for people who really mm. want to learn more about the concept of sharing power uh, with youth, idea. particularly. I mean, there must be stuff out there, right? There absolutely yeah. is. There absolutely is. And you're absolutely right. Every time we invite young people into space, we have to think about how are we role modeling power sharing? Yeah. And it's not intuitive. We think that if children are to, if children are to turn out healthy, it's about obedience and controlling. And mm -hmm. really what we know is mm -hmm. that's not true. Mm -hmm. It's about praise, it's about positive messaging, and it's about giving chances for them to make decisions. And if they mess up, guess what? We mess up too. Yeah, Lean in with compassion. Of course. That's your opportunity for those critical conversations. Mm -hmm. Don't expect your kid to nail it every time. The learning is in the yeah. messages, the moments where it didn't go perfect. So true. Do you know of um, a national model that is particularly... So there's a lot of frameworks out there. Yeah. I wouldn't say one that, you know, some schools still do these uh, kind of health messaging around very uh, specific curriculums like safety. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's more of a movement to go towards larger frameworks. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, so that's a good way of thinking. Yeah, about it. yeah, so it's really about wrapping your head around larger frameworks and, and concepts of like community change and cultural yeah. change. And yeah. So that's why like I could go in and meet with 15-year-olds for six weeks or nine weeks and teach right. them about healthy relationships. But if it's not being role modeled and their parents can't yeah. talk about it, then the yeah. school... And there's still the power over model going on. They get, she right. can't really move. So a big part of what I do is really about community change, inviting people into the dialogue, exactly like you and I are having now. Yeah, yeah. It's about an invitation to join. It is. The movement and, was started yeah. by people helping people, yeah. simply. Absolutely, not at the kitchen table. After yeah. our names, not yeah. by three after names, not big law exactly. degrees, right? I totally so agree exactly with that. exactly what you just said. It yeah. started at the kitchen table yeah. on the curb. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So if somebody's watching this show and, they, and this is, you know, their passion and it really resonates with them, what would be the best way for them to maybe get involved with Hawk, specifically with Hawk and this kind of work? I mean... Can they call? Can they go through the volunteer training? I mean, what would be? Absolutely. So there's volunteer information on our website. Okay, right? right. So everyone is welcome to go to our website, and there's contact information. We have a wonderful volunteer coordinator, Taylor Williams, who I yep. work with closely, yep. and so there's volunteer training. What we're really learning is that we need to expand our concept of volunteerism, right? Whatever your skill is, we will make use of it. Yeah. If you have yeah. beautiful handwriting yeah, and love thoughtful messaging, yeah. please write cards to our folks in shelter, to yep. our donors. We yep. will invite you in in any way. If you have a background in, you know, bookkeeping, like sure. whatever yeah. it is. And yeah. at the same time, if you want to come in and just find ways to work with us, we will also happily connect you with the ways. Think about ways you can intersect. We are not the only conduit, right? Yes, reach exactly. Reach out to your schools. Reach out exactly. to your high school. It's as simple probably as doing a quarry and a background check. Yep. And you can volunteer in the schools. Ask what they need chaperone for prom, yes. get involved in sports. Yes. If you have a passion, do yeah. an entrepreneurship club. Yeah. 
it's role modeling on the ground yeah, in is. your community. Yeah, I really agree with that. Um, can you say the website so people? Sure. So our website is www.hawk, which is H-A-W-C, DV, as in domesticviolence.org. Okay, thank right? you. Thank you. Um, okay, I think that about sums it up. We're almost out of time. But um, I wonder if, I was thinking while we were talking that the issue of sexual assault and sexual abuse in, not so much in the home, not that it doesn't happen, but in, in early relationships for kids would be something yes. we could maybe do another show on since we're out of time. Absolutely. We'd love that. And yeah. one more way that people can get involved is yeah. to come to our breakfast. Uh, Hawk yes. is in our 41st year, and we've been doing our breakfast. Our, um, it's all about healing. We celebrate survivors, and we it's a, the perfect way to begin your invitation to the movement. You show up, and it's, the whole breakfast is celebrating survivorship and celebrating community change makers. Everyone is welcome, and people can learn about it at um, hawkdv.org backslash breakfast. It's happening this October 22nd, and we'd love to have people join us. Perfect. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks. Thank you for the work you've done in the Thanks. movement that I got to build on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.